Welcome, Welcome to Waydo, a periodic, periodic discussion with guests from, from around, around the Waydo writing community brought together under one, one roof to discuss the latest happenings in nerd pop culture. My name is Kate. Please be here today because he is on a lovely family vacation. And today I'm joined by Adrian. And CJ. Hello again, everybody. Um, this week we're going to be talking about some of the latest trailers andor Cyberpunk, Edge Runner, Wakanda Forever, and Samaritan. Our weekly, Our weekly topic, topic is talking about what exactly makes a good prequel, with, with Prey, Prey now, now available to watch, to watch on Hulu. Hulu. And, then and then lastly, as always, you will cover, will cover some of the shows slash movies we've been watching that we think you should check out. So, so let's, let's dive, dive into the latest trailers that have caught our eyes since we last recorded. Um, I'm going to leave it with Andor, because Diego Luna's my boy, boy and, and I have been waiting for so, so long. long. Uh, the, uh, piece the piece of news, news attached, attached to this is that we're going to wait longer. longer. Uh, it's, uh, it's no longer coming up on August 31st. It is coming out on September 21st. Reportedly to avoid conflicts with She-Hulk and Marvel properties. I think Marvel kind of realized that when you, or Disney realized when you stack all of your stuff at once, people people will choose the one they want to do, especially waiting when you are doing uh, series stuff. So we'll kick things off with Adrian. What did you think about the trailer? Yeah, so um, I'm, I'm super excited, first and foremost, you know, all the way back in Star Wars Celebration, when they showed, like, they're seeing Vega Luna on stage um, and, and everything. So I'm, I'm like, 100% bought in. Um, but, yeah, it, it, the trailer looks great. I, I know that the, the the makers came out and said that they're not using, they didn't use the, the volume at all. So people are really excited about that versus some more, like, practical sets and things like that. And I think you can definitely see that in the show um, because this is basically a kind of fits in line with what we're going to be talking about today. It's going to be a prequel for Rogue One, basically. So I think it's setting setting the stage for something really, really cool and interesting that we haven't seen in, uh, in Star Wars for a while. It's like that Rogue One, no Skywalker, this is about the people kind of vibe. So we're excited for it. CJ, what about you? Oh yeah, I am definitely excited. Uh, because when I first saw Rogue One in theaters, my immediate thought was, I'd like to know more about Cassian Andor. Just how did he get into the rebellion? And yeah, this actually looks to answer that. And I love that it still has the rough and tumble vibe from Rogue One. It even got Tony Gilroy, who was responsible for most of the reshoots that made Rogue One to what it is, as the showrunner. So that's really exciting. You got the same guy who made Rogue One what it is behind the prequel to Rogue One. And as for the uh, pushing of the stuff, I. I'm a little, I, I wish we didn't have to wait that longer, but I totally get it again because, again, Miss Marvel and Kenobi were kind of stacked on each one another. And then, of course, you had uh, Star Wars Visions coming into the middle of What If. So I kind of understand the folks at Disney Plus going, you know what, we'll separate this, give them a little space. And I think both series would work better for it. So I don't mind the extra wait because, yeah, it looks good and I have a good feeling about it. I am, in a surprise to nobody, extremely excited for it. Uh, I don't think any character has captured my heart the way Cassian Andor did, especially um, in all of his conversations with Jin and very specifically showcasing like how much he had been through 
So to get the window into that piece of Star Wars, it makes me really excited. And I think it really allows the story to be something that's extremely relevant to what's happening right now. And I think that that's going to be the real strength for the series when it comes out. That and I don't know, I've been a little wishy-washy on Star Wars stuff. Like some of it's hitting really hard, but then two episodes don't, but then the last episode does. And so I'm just hoping we can get a series that can like be good throughout and I can hold that excitement with me. Yeah, I want that, like, okay. that Mando season one feeling where yes. every episode slapped and everything was um the next trailer we got was we got cyber uh, cyberpunk edgerunner which is the netflix original anime from studio trigger and that's coming out at the end of august august 31st it is a direct uh, i think a, a kind of or direct tie-in into the world of CD Projekt Red Cyberpunk. It was announced like I think four years, three, four years ago now. Um, and Studio Trigger is one of the most well-known studios in anime right now, especially in the West. They did things like um, like Promare, they did the Star Wars Visions uh, short, The Twins, uh, they did Kill la Kill. They've done a lot. Um, and it's something that people know and love. So I uh, wanted to kind of get to how you all are feeling personally. I think it's beautiful, but I still don't think I know much. Uh, we can start with CJ this time. Um, my uh, When I first saw it, I was like, okay, this looks pretty cool. Because again, I've mostly loved Trigger's work, especially Promare. That was a great surprise. And while I've heard um, mixed reactions to cyber Punk game 2027 7 I haven't played it but I've my gamer friends have had mixed reactions to it I generally like the idea of it and this looks like it's going to tap on that potential kind of like how um if you've never listened to Critical Role Legend of Vox Machina would be your entry or if you've never played League of Legends Riot uh Arcane would be your entry so I feel like this is a similar thing to that and I think that's really cool I think that more video game properties could do that you know in the future so i'm gonna check it out as a sci-fi fan and an anime fans and see how it where it goes adrian yeah so i mean i, I watched the trailer um i'm not i i didn't play cyberpunk 2077 people said it, it wasn't that great i know like stray is really big in the news right now things so but it just isn't really super grabbing but that trailer is crazy there's just so much going on like kate said there's not a lot you know said or like I don't, I don't really even know what the show is really going to be about, but yeah. I'm, but I'm into it. You know, it looks fun. It looks different. Um, it gives me uh, what's ah, CJ for what's the, the, the Netflix anime that came out a few years ago that was really really good. It had a lot of dark skinned characters. Had a great soundtrack. Cannon Busters. Cannon Busters. It gives me like yeah. that kind of vibes of like how it's going to be a little bit different than some of the animes that we're we're, we're getting. Um, and and I'm with it. I don't know if it's going to make me play the game. I don't think it's going to make Yeah, I highly doubt it would make me play the game. I highly doubt. But yeah. it does look fun in the same way that, like, like CJ mentioned, Arcane is a cool way to look at the League of Legends world. So hoping that it's that same kind of vibes. Yeah, I think it's something that is, it's beautiful to look at. And I think it's going to be really gnarly and definitely leaning into the old, the adult animation side of things, which is what I'm really, really hyped for. Um, so I can't wait to see it. I love anime. 
Um, it's probably one of my more anticipated anime of the year, just from the fact that there's been so much buildup. But we got character names and a whole bunch of crazy stuff, but I still don't necessarily know what it's about. So, If I'm being completely honest, I'm waiting for Kate to see it and then to tell me if it's good or not <laughs> via her review. So that's, that's where, I'm, where I'm at currently. And I do the same. Um, so the next one, we, ha- we know that this is probably the oldest trailer that we're talking about, but it's one that we have to talk about. And that's Wakanda Forever. That is coming out in November. We got our first trailer, or I guess teaser trailer, um, at SDCC. We're obviously a bi-weekly podcast, so we didn't get to cover it that week. CJ, I'm going to just throw it to you. <laughs> I know you were super excited and had a lot to say online, so I wanted to give you the mic first to kind of talk about your reactions to it. I watched it twice, and tears were streaming down my face every time because... Um, Ryan Coogler, prior to the first Black Panther, had directed Creed, and that's another film I really, really, really love. So, yeah, I really love the first Black Panther, and again, what he's done, uh, especially in bringing uh, Namor and the Atlanteans, or Talokan, as it's called in the MCU to life, looks beautiful. I love the Mayan-inspired look there, and I love that... um, and I love that Angela Bass is coming back. Winston Duke is coming back. Lupita Nyong'o is coming back. Just so many great characters from the first Black Panther. And I, I've i heard that Coogler refitted it as a tribute to Chadwick Boseman. And I just look forward to it. I trust what Coogler has to do. And I am probably going to walk out of that theater a sobbing mess. I, I'll just say that for it out. But yes, I am excited. Although... So my mom talk, called me the trailer to ask why the uh, Wakanda is fighting the uh, Navi from Avatar. I was like, oh, Lord. Yep. <laughs> this was pointed out. I was like, yeah, I see it. I see it now. So I'm really excited. I think uh, once again, Kugler's team has just shown what they can do with music. And that's phenomenal. Um, I think the art is really beautiful. I think it's going to be exciting to see, um, potentially see mayan stuff there however i am very hesitant um mainly because everything they're showing is mayan but then they named it talocan but then they took out the tl sound so it's not even really the aztec talocan and then i'm a little confused with what they're doing and i don't like that they're not all brown because they casted beautiful brown indigenous mexican actors and I would like them to be brown the whole time. And I get that, like, the Atlanteans are blue. But we're not even calling them Atlanteans here because we've changed every single thing about them. Like, they are not connected to Mesoamerica in the comics. They're not, like, we've changed everything, so why not change that piece too? Um, especially because when you look at the casting of the ca- character, of the, of the actors that they did, uh, specifically Tenocuerta as, um, as Namor, he is an actor who speaks out and he's an indigenous actor who speaks out very loudly at how brown skin actors can't get work in Mexico and specifically how white skin actors and white Mexicans in Mexico, despite being the minority, have a monopoly on stuff. So like it just kind of hurts a bit to know that they're going to be blue outside of him for like probably a large part of the movie. But... I'm just, I love my man, Tenok, and I really want him to do dope things, and 
I want to, like Angela Angela hearing Angela Bassett's voice in the trailer, like that hit my heart. Like that hit my heart. I don't necessarily like I care more like I want T'Challa as Black Panther and I've always cared about T'Challa more than I've cared about necessarily the whole of Wakanda. So I'm excited to have this pull me in. But hearing Angela Bassett's like pain and like shaky voice, but still being powerful has me intrigued to see what's going to happen when it comes to that. Um, and I do think I agree that it's really beautiful and you can tell that it's meant to be a moving tribute to Chadwick um, more than anything. So, yeah. And I'll throw it to Adrian. <laughs> so mostly positive, just some brown people stuff where like my brain can't turn off. Yeah, no, um, totally I'm good. excited because of brown people, and I know in where all the stuff he says he's relevant is going to change it, but in this fight since we were six years old, they're never going to change anything. <laughs> word, you know, and I just like I honestly I, I really applaud Kuru for like taking this be that Black Panther being such a powerful people in the Black community, and they think we're in there. We've got this is like the first time where we have more than one brown person who's not Michael Pena on screen. Making jokes. And, but um, do we have more than one brown person? If I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. They're going to be on screen as brown. <laughs> the costumes look cool. I, I, I'm with it. I do agree, though. Like, this is probably the most brown people you have casted in a single Marvel film, like, ever. And, yep. it, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it for, for that reason. I think it's going to bring a lot of people together, I think. I, I think it's going to smash. It's going to be crazy and it, i wouldn't be surprised if both everything else out of the water was box office revenue um because like how good that trailer was and how good the music already is from one song yeah. um I'm, I'm really really excited and i don't i wasn't planning to watch that trailer but i saw some stills and then i saw um the actor playing anymore i, I don't remember Tenok. Yeah. Tenok am i pronouncing yeah, correctly kate Huerta, yeah. Huerta, yeah. That's fine. And his, his speech at Comic-Con um, on TikTok, and, yeah. you know, I watched it with my wife, and she's crying all in, uh, speaks of how it, it's, it's like seeing Cassie Andor speak Spanish at, you know, yeah. Star Wars Celebration. It's, and especially what he was talking about specifically. Yeah, exactly. So I see a lot of, like, parallels there, and that's what got me excited. So I'm hoping because he's excited, he's passionate, there are going to be some good things in the movie. It looks super cool. I, the only thing that I, if, if there's like negative things that I have to say about the trailer, it's just like the super discourse stuff that's coming out, like whether Shuri should have like a training montage or everything else. Um, I'm excited about his back look ripped and he has like everything. Yes. Great. Yeah. His little shorts, man. His little shorts. He has the wings and the green shorts, and I'm like, I, yes, this I is the kind not... of man who would try and steal Sue Storm from Reed Richards. I love it. Oh, exactly. I, I, it, so as we close this section out and move into our general topic, or actually move into some Stallone, I would just like to say it wouldn't be me leading a podcast if I did not point out that in all in that still, you can tell that the Nolquedda is packing, and that's all I care about. That is the representation that we need. But yeah, but yeah no, no, I mean, I, I, my, my issues with it aside, and that's more so, so of just, just the, the way representation, representation has been for Latinos in the MCU and the way it has been for us traditionally in Hollywood. It is. You get one, maybe, and then in the MCU, like, literally the only actual Latino in the MCU is Michael Peña, and he's, like, 
a, a ex-convict who just makes jokes. Um, and I think that it's going to be great to see this. And obviously, like, I think this is going to give... The No Fuenta is already established. He has an amazing body of work, and I implore everybody to look it up and start watching his stuff. But I think, kind of to your point, Adrian, it gives him a larger platform to talk about the issues that he... That, that quite frankly people need to hear about um, and I think that this is going to really help especially with how many of the right wingers in Mexico hate him um, which take this as your PSA if you see anything negative about the No Fuerta chances are it was cooked up by uh, Mexican right wingers who hate that he says whites again all the time uh, but yeah so moving on to The Samaritan, Amazon Prime's uh, August release with Sylvester Stallone um, I, have I have no, no thoughts, just vibes, just vibes. so, so I'm going to throw it out to Adrian. Adrian. Yeah, I didn't know anything about this movie, um, and I watch, I'll be honest, I watched half the trailer because I turned it off because like, I bought it I don't need any more. Uh, it gives like the kind of uh, Hancock vibes <laughs> a little bit, which I'm, I know there's a big crowd with Hancock, but I thought Hancock was great uh, as a concept, and this gives me a lot of those vibes. You know, Hancock slash, you know, a little bit of um, uh, equalizer type type vibe. So um, I'm bought in. I think Stallone looks great in it. I think his acting looks great. I think the child actor doesn't look too bad either. That's always some, something hard with these type of movies is, is the child actor going to be able to handle being, you know, with someone like Stallone. In terms of like star power, not maybe necessarily acting, but like in, in that role. But it looks great. The action scenes look cool. I'm, in, I'm intrigued with the story. And uh, I will be there opening weekend. Is that good to me? CJ? Yeah, it looks really cool. Like Superman by way of Logan, which really interests me. And Stallone doing a project like this is really, really interesting. Because again, the guy is pretty much one of the big 80s action heroes alongside Schwarzenegger. So for him to do that is really fun. And fun fact, this is directed by Julius Avery, who did Overlord, so. I didn't know that. I didn't know that, and now I'm in. I I didn't really care too much. Like, this is a movie that I would usually put on, but, like, not be vested in. I didn't know it was Overlord. I love Overlord. I, I actually I had heard bits about it, and I was like, this sounds really cool, but nothing happened because, um... Well, it was supposed to come out earlier, but then, you know, the plague. So, yeah, now it's finally coming out and it looks really cool. And yeah, I really love to see it because, again, I really loved Overlord. I generally am a sucker for superhero media, especially if you put a fresh take on it and Stallone looks great. So, yeah, I'll check it out. Yeah, I think the cooler thing about it is that we have so much hero stuff happening and Stallone, of all people, was giving us something a little bit fresh and kind of new to, to look at and engage yeah. with. So that's off to him because he doesn't need me. I don't mean, maybe he has money troubles. I don't know. I don't think so. But <laughs> I feel like everybody from that era has some sort of tax evasion problems. You know, it, theoretically, he shouldn't have to do any more movies at his age, but he's still doing it and this looks good. So uh, I'm, I'm excited. I like more superhero man movies. Which, to be honest, I feel like that's what Prime Video is giving us. Like, they're like, hey, you don't want to watch Marvel? That's cool. We got other superhero stuff over here. That's a great uh -huh. way to look at it, too. You know, yeah, especially true. with their adult animation. Everything they have. Only this time, we actually, the Superman analog isn't an asshole, I think. I don't know. <laughs> we, it could swerve that way. It could be like, hey, he's secretly the villain. But 
This is a first for them. It, it's going to be cool. I'll probably watch it. I don't know when I'll watch it, but I will probably end up watching it. Because I've, to be honest, I have just been a simp for everything Prime Video's been putting out. Like, lit- like they've been killing it on sci-fi. They, like, all of their genre stuff has just, from good to great. Um, and I think that, that that is a spot that's kind of sorely missed. And they kind of tap into those more unique stories that I think Netflix is kind of sacrificing for melodrama. So... And it looks good. I don't know what the budget for this movie was, but it looked oh, yeah. like a, you know, blockbuster-type movie yeah. in terms of the production. I will say, Amazon Studios got that business money, so... They literally threw the GDP at a small country for Rings of Power, so I'm not surprised. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So long with 76, don't look bad, man. He's still, he's still got it a little bit. That TRT really, really <laughs> keeping him going. So, moving into our main topic. So, so last, last week, week on August 5th, 5th Hulu released Prey, a direct-to-streaming prequel uh, to the Predator franchise that takes viewers back to the 1700s and Comanche Nation, and it's good. Like, really good. You can check out our review, which is up on our YouTube channel and somewhere in this podcast feed that you're listening to, or you can head or you can read Adrian's 10 out of 10 review on BoatWaitho.net. We did it. We dropped the podcast. Now maybe people will like accurately attribute our quotes to but why though? <laughs> um so for for more on kind of the full review piece, um we can talk a little bit about Prey here, I'm sure we will, but I really want to use this as an opening discussion to really talk about like what makes a good prequel. And get into what are good prequels that aren't Prey, what to avoid, and what we should embrace. So let's kick it off with some of y'all's favorite prequels, um, Prey notwithstanding, because I think we can say we all liked that one. <laughs> um, Adrian? Yeah, like this is a, a, a hard question for me to try to figure out like, what is like my favorite prequel. And I think it might be... And it's tough because... I don't know. It's so hard. I really, really like the Planet of the Apes series, like the Rise of Planet of the Apes series. I think that does so much uh, right when you think when you're talking about a prequel and what makes it, you know, what makes it good. Um, and I, I think good markers of prequels is when they're better than the like the original thing that comes out. And I think Prey is that. I think Rise of the Planet of the Apes trilogy um, is that. I wouldn't necessarily. I know people like are are, are high on like. Godfather 2 and and some of the Indiana Jones and things like that, but I don't think those are necessarily over the top better than um, than the thing, and I don't think it gives you enough to feel like you're watching something new and different, but I really think Rise of the Planet of the Apes series does, builds on the, the, the lore in a way that it's, it's hard to do in something that's that old. Yeah, I'm going to go next just because uh, the Planet of the Weight of the Apes prequel trilogies is one of the strongest trilogies of films, like in general, outside of anything it's connected to. Like it is just good. Uh, Circus went off like entirely. <laughs> um, so that that would also probably be like my favorite because I don't think I can actually name somebody who nailed a good prequel formula three times. Let like let alone once. Um, like I think some honor like some runner ups could be like maybe Fire Walk with Me, the Twin Peaks prequel, um, or isn't Fast Five technically a prequel? Technically, the timeline's weird. 
there. Uh, yeah, no, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, I guess Fast Five technically would be prequel, yeah. And it probably is one of the best movies in the franchise, so. <laughs> I guess that would work, too. Yeah. Um, I guess that would work, too. Um, yeah, I think... Yeah, it's super tough, right? Because there's not really many that... Because Prometheus and, like, and Prometheus and Alien Covenant aren't good prequels. They're They're... They're like maybe decent movies if you've had a couple of drinks or watched it on like a plane. Red Dragon. Okay. Red Dragon. If I'm not, if I, if I don't steal Adrian's answer, Red Dragon, which is the prequel to Silence of the Lambs is in my opinion, almost better than Silence of the Lambs. It, it's on the same par for me. So yeah. CJ, what about you? Uh, Adrian, <laughs> Adrian beat me to Planet of the Apes. So I would say prequels i enjoy are um x-men first class because that's basically how magneto became magneto and i just magneto was one of my favorite x-men characters so i love that rogue one obviously it's the best star wars prequel to me if not one of the best yeah no i i i agree that's my favorite star wars movie yeah one of the best star and surprisingly enough the scorpion king i love the scorpion oh king. Yes. okay no not better than okay no. i i really love i really do love the scorpion okay they kind of had to work it out to make him a good guy because he was a bad guy in the mummy returns but i was just like this is really dope it's a nice sword and sandals thing and when was the last time you watched it i think last month i had to i i Pitched oh, okay. I, I pitched a piece on it, so I revisited it because this is its 20th year anniversary, and I was like, this is oh, wow. really, really cool, and I wish Dwayne Johnson would kind of do more of this because he kind of drifted into the invincible, very he- unbeatable hero over his career. I'm just like, he kind of gets roughed up in this film, and I really like it. I, yeah. uh, more Scorpion King. I guess that's kind of why I'm also drawn to Black Adam because I get Scorpion King vibes from it, but that's another discussion. But yes, those are my three favorite prequels. I will mention Monsters University. Oh my god, yes! That yes. one was good. good. That, that was good. Because especially good. like for, for animated movies, especially like in that, you know, those big, you know, Finding Dory isn't as good as, you mm. know, you know, those like those offshoot ones aren't as good, but Monsters University hits all the right notes, I think, for, for a prequel for an animated movie. Yeah. So... Talking about the notes, um, what are some of the things that I guess that are about these films that made them work as some of our favorites? Like, what do you have to embrace as a prequel? And if you had to kind of describe what makes a good one, what would it be? I think what makes these prequels work is they go deep into what makes the characters the characters you love. Like, okay, take First Class, for example. We know that in the first X-Men, Magneto and Xavier had split ways with Magneto, you know, determined to wipe out humanity and Xavier for the X-Men. First Class kind of shows us this, kind of just show, you know, James McAvoy is playing Xavier as less of, you know, the wise leader and more of a playboy, so to speak. And over this film, he learns to be Professor X. Same with uh, Magneto. He's driven by revenge and... And meeting uh, Xavier, he kind of, you know, forms a friendship with him, and then it splits apart, and by the end, he's become Magneto. So you kind of get to see what makes these guys tick. And I really think that's great, because you want to know, you want to dig deeper into these characters. So that's what I think makes a great prequel, that how did we get from point A 
to point B and throw in some good character work. So yes, that's what makes a good people to me. I think I think to to add on to build on that, uh, I think it's like subverting expectations. We talked about it in our in our prey review that you know you think you know what's going to happen because you kind of already know all of these other storylines and, and story points, but when they subvert the expectations a little bit and give you that when that journey is different than what you thought it was, I think that's when prequels do it the best. I think they do it well in Rise of the Planet of the Apes. I think they do it well in Prey. I think they do it well in um, just about you know all the ones that we mentioned. The subverting of the expectations for me makes it makes it great because you walk out thinking you think you, you don't you think you know what's going to happen, and then when it doesn't happen, you're like, okay, well, this is a good story for me anyway. Yeah, and I think for me, kind of like building like off of both of that, it's kind of like. Yes, I want to see how we get from point A to point B, but I want to see I want to see from how we got from like a point A to point Z, and I want to see the little pockets that we missed and like the potential like storytelling things that go through. And that is I think for me what works. I think there is there needs to be a reverence and care for the legacy of the property that you're working with while at the same time doing what Adrian said in kind of subverting expectations and building on it. So it's kind of like, I never want to go watch a prequel and be like, okay, well, like, what did it add? Like, it didn't add anything. It didn't, you know, it, I, I want to feel like it is now a a vital part of the series that I'm watching. And I think, when you do that, you have the ability to both succeed in becoming necessary watching into the next movies after you that came before you. Um, or it's just kind of like, why did I watch this? I should have just watched the original. And I think about bad prequels. I kind of think about the thing. Um, the the prequel to the thing is also called the thing. And nobody in that movie is anywhere close to as charismatic or good as Kurt Russell is in the original. Um, And so when you use like the same name and you follow the format so closely, um, the reverence can sometimes take over anything new that you're adding. And then it's like, well, why would I watch this? I can just go watch the other one. Um, and I think that that's why Planet of the Apes is kind of a resounding yes for all of us because it it recognizes the future of where the story is going to go and it recognizes the the sandbox and the legacy that it fits into. But it also is very focused on telling you a different story. And when I think about what you need in a prequel, I feel like distance like distance from the original one that you're like giving a prequel story to helps. Like if it is decades or hundreds of years or like just timeline wise so far removed from the thing that it's leading into, it gives you kind of the leeway to do something completely different without that baggage of fitting into like an immediate timeline right after. No, it's, no, explain totally. why the Hobbit trilogy is bad. Yeah, 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 you're not wrong. Word for word why the Hobbit trilogy is bad. Are there just, like, hallmarks that, like, if a prequel has X, you, like, it's immediately doomed? Um, can you all think of any? A long laundry list of what, of how, of why, of the character traits, essentially. Why a character says this, why a character wears that. Solo, a Star Wars story, need I go on? 
Mm, so too much exposition? Yes. Like not much everything needs everything. an answer. I think this is kind of what affected the prequels. And the Phantom Menace, you see, okay, here's how they meet R2-D2. And here's where C-3PO came from. And here's... Yeah. And the Force isn't space magic, it's germs. So I feel like that is kind of what affected it. Granted, most of this has been expanded upon and other stuff. But I feel like giving all these answers makes stuff... Or, um, or, uh, telling a story that kind of feels uninteresting. Like, Oz the Great and Powerful. Like, I love Sam Raimi, but I do not like that movie at all. Because it's more or less about the wizard, and he is the most uninteresting character in The Wizard of Oz, even though it's named after him. So, yeah. If you are going to do a prequel, do it with an interesting character. Yeah. I also think of, like, unnecessary ones, like uh, Dumb and Dumber. Dumb and Dumber-er. The, the, like, when Harry met Lloyd win. Like, oh, like, one, can the actors that you were putting in this movie live up to the actors in the original? Two, why? Why is it here? Why did we need this story? <laughs> um, But I think to your point, CJ, I think the idea that, like, not everything needs an answer... I think for me, the big one is how far are you going to depart from your source material? That's why Prometheus is bad. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I think that that's like the hard thing because it's like, like, like we just said, like doing something new is important, but you still have to understand and respect the laws that are said, not, not laws. Like there's no movie police. I mean, I guess film Twitter is the movie police, but like, uh, but like the laws that, that your world sets up and you kind of have to abide them. Like, like we said in our, our prayer view, pray would have been bad if the predator lost all sense of honor and like how it abides and what its hunting rules are. If you throw that out, it's no longer the predator. It's just a stalking monster. Um, like, and I think that's something that bugs me because I don't like too much reverence where it's like Easter egg, Easter egg, Easter egg, Easter egg. But I also don't want you to throw out everything for the sake of making something quote-unquote new. Uh, to Kate's point, I also feel that if you are going to build on the mythology, do what makes sense. Like, say, um, like again, with uh, X-Men, the idea for, of first class, the idea for Xavier to form the X-Men is when he starts meeting these other mutants. And he's like, okay. If I am going to, you know, show humanity that mutants are to be trusted, I can form this team. Whereas Prometheus, Ridley Scott said, what if the aliens were connected to God? Yeah. And look, I like the I, cosmic horror, but man, we, we're, just, we're not going into love, biblical stuff. I get enough of that from other filmmakers. Just, just do scary monsters ripping out of chests and the horrors of space. But yes, if you are going to build upon a establish things do something that is in line with the original films adrian anything else to add for you for the the things you must avoid or or at least give you pause when you find out as or in a prequel yeah i think just don't as long as it doesn't follow the same formula like i know i just watched i just watched the original but with younger people in it and, you yeah. know, that, it has to be different <laughs> it just has to be different but and it's, it's, it's a tough line to toe, and I know it sounds like we're being like critical of like how you're supposed to do it, but that's what makes it good, and that's why the good prequels are what they are, is because they 
do things the right way or, you know, include those things that we mentioned and the ones that don't just aren't good. That's just like, I think how, how it is, you know? No one's and like, oh, the Scorpion it. King 2 is the best movie ever. <laughs> the second one, the second one. The second one's really bad. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry if you have feelings about Scorpion. That second one is horrendous, man. That one like, is, like, why did you make that movie? Yeah, if you walk out thinking, why did you make that movie? That's what's a bad, that's, yeah. that's a bad prequel. And I think that that's pretty much it. So you've heard it here. Uh, do something different. Have reverence. Um, just go watch Planet of the Apes, man. Like that, I'm just reminded about. I'm I'm watching through Mission Impossible, a a franchise that gets better both crit like critically every time one comes out. Um, but if I think about best prequels and like highest rated prequels, it's it's them. Um, I think that's the takeaway. Give give Andy Circus his flowers. Opposite, like, end of the spectrum. Go watch a Hobbit trilogy and then go watch Rise of the Planet of the Apes and you're going to be like, oh, that's how you use... <laughs> the difference is fast. Amazing actors. And also, that's if you guys... Also, folks, if you like the Batman, you will definitely love the Planet of the Apes because Matt Reeves directed Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and War of the Planet of the Apes and they are phenomenal. Oh, did he? Yes. Rupert Wyatt directed Wise, and then Reese directed Dawn and War, and War blew me away when I saw him. But yeah, uh, so as always, we're going to wrap up by talking about a lot of the stuff that we've been watching, covering. Uh, we'll start with CJ. What's what's on your mind? Well, well, as many of you may have noticed from my tweets, I attended this year's San Diego Comic Con, and I have also been covering Fantasia Fest, and both yielded some great fruit. I was able to see the world premiere of Green Lantern Beware My Power at SDCC and it is the Green Lantern movie we should have gotten a decade ago. If you love Jon Stewart, you'll love this movie. Aldous Hodge does a phenomenal job and it has it looks great. It's a great space adventure and it's available on DVD now so I definitely recommend renting it. And Fantasia Fest, I got the chance to see Shin Ultraman and I am not hyperbolizing when I say it's the best superhero movie of 2022. As an Ultraman fan, I'm so happy. Ultraman fans will love it. Non-Ultraman fans will love it. And Superman fans, if you're missing The Man of Steel, this is the closest to a good Superman movie we've got in a while, so y'all should definitely watch it if it gets a wide theatrical release, which I hope it does, because it's great. But yes, those it's what's on my mind. Oh, and Paper Girls. Paper Girls is really good. Adrian? Yeah, if I'm going to be honest, outside of watching Prey and uh, Dragon Ball movie, I haven't really watched anything new this week that's, like, good, quote-unquote. I watched uh, All-American Homecoming, the, the spin-off All-American, <laughs> you know, sports drama show. Um, look, if you need, like, a background TV show that's, like, you can pop your head up and you're like, they did what? All-American Homecoming is some novella-type drama. On the spectrum from, like, Riverdale to Friday Night Lights, where is it? I would say right in the middle, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's how I'm going to describe it to everybody, actually, because it's, it's like kind of, like, right there um, in, in that vein. It, it's really, really good. Uh, Prey, obviously, is, is really great. I hope you've already seen it while you're, while you're here, because it's that good. I hope it gets a theatrical release as well. Um, the Dragon Ball movie, for me, was super amazing for me as a... Gohan Piccolo fan. Yeah, and then I'm uh, back to reviewing comics as well. Uh, so you'll see me reviewing Star Wars comics and things like that. Um, on the side, just finished Halcyon Legacy, super short miniseries about the Galactic Star Cruiser. Uh, a lot of love went into that, and Ethan Stacks and that whole team are, are really great. So, you know, the 
don't don't sleep on that one. It's a good little story. It gives you lots of little nuggets. You know, there's like a, a Anakin Padme story in there. There's a Lando story in there. There's a story in there for everybody for, for that little series. So. Awesome. Um, I think like CJ, uh, Paper Girls. I really want that. I want I want a season two. So I need you all to watch it. Uh, it's very good. Time travel, mechs, stop for the for the love of whatever you pray to. Stop comparing it to Stranger Things. It is nothing like Stranger Things. Other than the fact that they are children and in a period that is not 2022. Uh, stop it. Please. Grow a brain. Um, but outside of that, uh, Sandman uh, came out on the 5th. We're recording this from the past, and I don't know, our record schedule's weird. <laughs> Sandman's good. It's really good. Sandman is a series that manages to tell multiple stories while keeping a through line and honoring every character it puts at the middle of those stories. Um, it, it goes hard on some of the most emotionally gutting parts of the Sandman comics uh 24 7 to be specific um and i i loved it i loved it i can't wait for people to watch it i'm oh i'm it, it's already come out when this by the time <laughs> this podcast comes out watch it, it it's good it, it's really good uh give neil gaiman all of his give him the money to do more shows like this um it is very much in the same vein of American Gods and Good Omens, but more faithful to the source material uh, in a way that works for it really well. Down to uh, a lot of the visuals that get used. It's, it's really good. Um, yeah, that that's me. Um, there's a review from me up on the site about this. Not right now, but like right now when you're listening to this, <laughs> not when I'm recording it. Um, so yeah, I will link, we'll link all of those in our notes. Adrian, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at SuperReese93, S-U-P-R-R-Y-Z-93. And if you're on TikTok, my wife and I do some blog stuff on there, what we did blog. But yeah, that's where you can find me. Probably talking about Prey with all of you, hopefully. CJ? You can find me on Twitter at CJ Writes Things. If you Google my name, Collier Jennings, you can find my written work, not just Song But Why Though, but also Collider where I've written articles on Prey and the Scorpion King, uh, IGN, and uh, Slash Film. I also am the co-host of Into the Spirecast, which covers all things Spider-Man, so we should hopefully be back by the time this episode airs. And you can find me at OhMyMythRandier on Instagram and Twitter, and then you can also find all of us at ButWhyThoughPC. Read all of our writing on ButWhyThough.net. Um, and if you want to join the conversation with us, like, immediately when stuff comes out, jump, jump into our Discord. Discord.gg slash B-U-T-W-H-Y-T-H-O. Thank y'all, and we'll see you in two weeks. Mm-hmm.